Chapter 16 Assurance and Comfort Our help comes from God. If it is such a blessed thing to be ready for bonds or death for Christ, this last chapter may minister great comfort to those who, though they cannot say as Paul did that they are ready, are at work daily on their own hearts to make them ready and strive, using all available means, to conquer those corruptions that hinder their readiness and improve those graces in which preparation is found. O poor soul, whatever present unreadiness or disinclination you find and complain of in your heart, your condition is safe. I will now offer solutions to your objections. Objection 1. Oh, but I cannot be satisfied with your assurance. I fear I will be overtaken by temptations when they come to a height. My experience with the deceits and treacherousness of my own heart makes it seem impossible to me to do as these blessed souls did when I come to similar trials. It is good that you suspect your own heart and tremble in yourself. This fear will keep you awake while others are securely sleeping. It was a good saying of the revered minister Arthur Hildersham, now with God, he who fears to flinch will never flinch for fear. It is true, apparent and outward grace may be totally lost. Luke chapter 8 verse 18, Hebrews chapter 6 verses 4 through 5, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 20. It is also granted that because of believers' sin, they deserve for God to forsake them and allow the grace in them to be sadly reduced so that they may fall before a temptation as Peter and all the disciples did. But you may be abundantly satisfied that you will never be separated from Christ or fall completely and utterly away from God based on these five or six grounds. 1. The first is God's eternal, electing love by which gracious souls are loved and embraced no matter how weak their graces or how strong their corruptions. This is unchangeable. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. And so it is said of false Christs and false prophets, they shall deceive, if it were possible, even the elect. Mark chapter 13, verse 22. Now this unchangeable purpose of God is not founded on any variable ground or reason in you. Romans chapter 9, verse 11. When God elected you, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, He saw what you would be, and that did not stop Him. 2. You can be sure from the covenant of grace in which you are embraced. This is all your salvation and all your hope. It will afford you abundant satisfaction if you weigh especially these three things about it. 1. The author of this covenant is not a fickle creature. He is a faithful God with whom there is not yes and no, and with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James chapter 1 verse 17. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Romans chapter 11 verse 29 so that once within this blessed covenant, you are in it forever. 2. God has established the covenant with you in the blood of Christ. Therefore, He calls the sacramental cup the cup of the New Testament in my blood. Luke chapter 22, verse 20. Its everlasting merit and efficacy give the soul of a believer the highest satisfaction imaginable. 3. Last. Add to this that in this covenant, God has undertaken for us as well as for Himself, so that what is a condition in one scripture is the matter of a promise in another. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 40. 3. A third ground for assurance is the strict and intimate union that is between Christ and you. Therefore, it is impossible for you to be lost. 1. This union with His person 
brings along with it interest in his properties. Whatever he is or has, it is for you. His eye of knowledge, arm of power, and heart of pity are all for you. 2. This union with his person secures your feeble graces from perishing. John chapter 4, verse 14. Your graces have an everlasting spring. While there is sap in this root, it will ascend into the branches. 3. It implies your perseverance because by this union you become an integral part of Christ's body. His body would be mutilated and defective if you were to be cut off and lost. 4. A fourth means of assurance is the prevalent intercession of Jesus Christ in the heavens for all His saints in all their trials here on earth. It is from this that the Apostle infers the certainty of our perseverance, Romans 8, verse 34. And there is a significant instance of it in Peter's situation, Luke 22, verse 32. Hebrews 7, verse 25 speaks fully to the case. He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. To further strengthen this, consider who it is who intercedes. Christ intercedes, and He is most dear to and favored by the Father. John chapter 11, verse 42. And consider what He intercedes for. He intercedes only for what is most suitable to His Father's will. Christ's will and His Father's do not clash. John chapter 16 verses 26 through 27 and what he prays for he does not pray for free or on any dishonorable terms to the justice of his father they are all mercies purchased and paid for therefore do not fear the failure of your graces 5 your assurance also comes from the spirit of Christ who dwells and abides in you and has begun his saving work on you i say saving work for otherwise there would be no argument. His common works on hypocrites come to nothing, but in you they cannot fail. It will not fail because his honor is pledged and engaged to perfect it. That reproach of the foolish builder that he began to build but could not finish will never lie on him. Besides, this would make void all that the Father and the Son have done for you. The works of both the Father and the Son are complete and perfect in their kinds, and the Spirit is the last to work in order of working. Also, the grace He has already worked in you may give you still further and fuller assurance of its preservation, inasmuch as it has the nature of a seal, pledge, and earnest of the whole. Romans chapter 8, verse 23, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. It cannot fail. 6. The last assurance comes from those multitudes of affirming, promissory, and comparative scriptures whose rich veins run through the book of God as so many streams to refresh your soul. For affirming scriptures, see John chapter 6 verse 39, John chapter 10 verse 28, and 1 John chapter 2 verse 19. Some promissory scriptures are Isaiah chapter 54 verse 10, Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 40, and 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. And for some comparative scriptures, see Psalm 1 verse 3, Psalm 125, and 1 John chapter 4 verses 13 through 16. The principal intention of all these is to show the faultless nature of true grace in the saints. All these assurances should refresh your drooping soul and make your mind ready, since you do not run as one uncertain nor fight as one that beateth the air. 
1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26, but are secured from total apostasy as you see you are by all these things. O oh, bless the Lord! Objection 2. But the Lord seems to be departed from my soul. God is far from me and troubles are near. I seem to be as Saul was when the Philistines made war on him and God had departed from him. Therefore I will fall. That is not true. For there are two sorts of divine desertions. The one is absolute, when the Lord utterly forsakes his creatures so that they will never again see his face. The other is limited and specific. It was in this way that he forsook his own son and often does his own elect. Some of these desertions are cautionary in order to prevent sin. Some are merely probational to try grace. And others are castigatory to chastise our negligence and carelessness. I do not have a single word of comfort to speak in the case of total and absolute desertions, but of the latter kind, which undoubtedly is your case, there is much to be said by way of support, no matter which of the three kinds it may be or in what degree. 1. Many precious souls have been temporarily deserted by the Lord. Job chapter 13 verses 24 through 26, Psalm 22 verses 1 through 2, Psalm 77 verse 2, Psalm 88 verse 9. This was poor Mr. Glover's case, as you will find in his story, and it continued until he came within sight of the stake. Therefore, no new or strange thing has happened to you. 2. By this, the Lord will advantage you for perseverance. It not only cautions against sin, but it will also make you hold Christ even tighter and prize His presence at a higher rate when He pleases to graciously show Himself to you again. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 4. 3. This desertion will not last forever. It is just a little cloud and will blow over. It is for a moment, but that moment's darkness ushers in everlasting light. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 7. 4. Last, the light of God's face will not only be certainly restored, but it will be restored at the right time. When the darkness is greatest, your troubles are at the highest, and your hopes are at the lowest. He is a God of judgment and knows how to time His own mercies. Psalm 138, verse 3. Objection 3. But I am a weak woman or a young person. How will I be able to confess Christ before rulers and look great ones in the face? There are several answers to this objection. 1. Christ delights to make His power known in such people. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, for he does not aspire shared glory. 2. He shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Romans chapter 14, verse 4. You who are aware of your own infirmity may run to that promise. 3. Such poor, weak creatures will endure when stronger, but self-confident fall. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 through 31. Youth and young men are bold, daring, and confident persons who trust in their own strength. Those who wait on the Lord are different. They will faint, but they will renew their strength. Do you wait? and depend on an all-sufficient God aware of your own weakness? This promise, then, 
is for you. 4. Last, you can choose to equip yourselves with examples of the mighty power of God resting on people like you out of our own past and history of martyrs. Both of these examples are found in Fox's Book of Martyrs. Thomas Drowry was a poor, young, blind boy who displayed immense courage and presence of spirit when he was examined by the Chancellor and condemned to death. Read how Eulalia, a virgin of about twelve years of age, acted above those years, even above the power of nature as she was tortured to her death. Tender women and children act above themselves when assisted by a strong God. By a weak hand, you have been offered some help in your present and most important work. May the Lord make you understand all with power on your hearts, so that if God calls you to suffer for Him, you may say as Paul did, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 6 through 8. And as you expect to finish your course with joy, be diligent in the use of all means to prepare and make yourselves ready to follow the call of God, whether it be to prison or to death, for the name of the Lord Jesus.